Laserkrush.com To another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, we are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Seaton. Yes, this is this is not a trick. This is not a pre-recording. We are back, and Jessica is back. Say hi to everyone out there, Jessica. Hi. Thank you, everyone, for so patiently waiting. So, yeah, lots been going on since we've been away, hasn't it? <laughs> It's been a, it's been an interesting yeah. couple of months. <laughs> it is, it is. I think it started with 2019, and like molasses, it slid into 2020, ignoring that it is a new year with new beginnings. Mm-hmm. So there was that. So obviously, yes, we are all homebound right now, and um, so that that means a lot of our projects have been you know, stopped in their tracks. So Jessica and I have been like, all right, this is a good time to really get the ball rolling again. And here we are. Um, this episode is pretty much just going to get you reacquainted with uh, what's been going on the last few months and uh, a couple of little news bits. But I figured since you've heard my annoying voice the last couple of episodes before, you know, we went on hiatus, uh, we're going to let Jessica do a lot of the, uh, the she's going to take the reins on this episode because she's had a very interesting few months. She's been traveling like Carmen San Diego all over the world and having wild misadventures. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Jessica, what what have you been up to since uh, November of last year? Oh, my goodness, since November of last year. Uh, I have been to Japan twice. We were currently supposed to go back one more time during cherry blossom season, mm-hmm. but for obvious current events, pandemic reasons, we will not be there. Uh, but I've been there twice, and then I also went to Iceland and Hawaii. Separate trips, they weren't really kaiju-related, but they were all kind of pop culture-related. But I think for the sake of the podcast, uh, the Japanese ones are a little bit closer to our, our main genre and our main topic. Well, I've had so, a lot of I've had a lot of inquiries as to like, where's Jessica? What's been going on with her? I'm like, well, she's busy, and you're about to hear exactly how busy she has been. So, let's start yeah. with your your first trip to Japan, which was back in November. And why were you there? So, the first trip happened in the beginning of November, and it was a five day whirlwind in which I believe I we spent more time traveling going to the airport and in the air then we were actually on the ground in japan (laughs) it was i don't know if i would ever do another short trip like that but the business nature of it was actually more closer related to uh tj storm Mm -hmm. who is the man behind godzilla himself in the legendary for the last two films uh 
uh, he and I were discussing kind of, at the time I was, you know, I'm still working at his publicist, basically just trying to get the word out. You know, he's so busy. He has so many amazing projects. Sometimes talents can't always, they don't always have the time to promote the work that they have. So it always, it always helps to kind of have a sex a right-hand man or woman to kind of help you get your word out, get projects out, get interviews, all of that done. And it was a trip where actually we had thought it was an amazing idea that it was the 65th anniversary of Godzilla, and it took place in Tokyo, in Hibiya, and it was put together by Toho, the festival itself, because it was in the outdoor plaza square where they would, you know, put together an amazing display. There was a live art drawing by, um, uh, by a lot of, by one of their famous artists, you know, Shinji Nishikawa, and just kind of have a presentation. But TJ wanted to, more than anything, show his love and appreciation for the franchise, the character, the company. So he just wanted to kind of go, like we were going to kind of just experience it and to see it and to hopefully if we ran into any of the people directly with Toho to really just say thank you because he understands that he wouldn't have this job, this chance, if that character was never created. But it also wasn't supposed to be kind of a large event make do on our end because there is no need for overshadowing. You know, some American actor talents coming in, trying to overshadow, you know, trying to steal spotlight or, you know, like we don't want any of that. We didn't want any of like negativity going into it. Mm-hmm. So literally we just wanted to be there to just experience and look, you know, and he really, and I wanted to, you know, we would love to also capture the moment for his own just, he can look back, right. And look at photos and videos and be like, this was amazing. I wanted to say thank you to a lot of these people in person because we don't know how often the opposite side will travel to America, you know, and, and the chances like you can work on an entire film series and never be able to meet everybody in charge. Mm-hmm. So it was really his way of just kind of appreciating and saying thank you. And we thought it'd be, you know, a great time to go to Japan, everything. And we had went, but also TJ is like a head taller than everybody else <laughs> on average. And, you know, he is um, taller, and clearly we are, we are two different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. The Japanese people are mixed, so he was very easy to spot yes. while we were trying to stand in the side in the corner and just kind of experience such a, like, momentous occasion. So a lot of fans ended up coming up and wanted his signature. So he patiently stood outside for, like, four hours and signed every single person's item that they were bringing or they went back home to go get and come back. We had a woman that was so impressive. She saw TJ. She took off. I don't know where this young lady went. She's amazing. Printed out a photo from, like, Google Images of TJ uh, during his, you know, just one of his poses while he's working. Mm -hmm. And then come back, printed out from a 
photo printing machine and then had him sign it because the paper was still warm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he was so impressed by like the fervor and the love that he was received because he really was there to show his appreciation to others. Not really. He's not going there to be worshipped, you know. So yeah. he went there, but I wanted to say the trip came out really, really amazingly you know really all he wanted was to go experience the 65th anniversary and then hang out in japan in tokyo the birthplace country of this amazing nation hopefully say thank you to some of the people privately and then fly out um they gave him such a warm welcome i think they were just so surprised to see him that they wanted to give him such a warm welcome. So many of you know uh, Sonoe Nakajima, who's just the daughter of Haru Nakajima. Uh, she, along with the Takarada family, which is uh, Maki Takarada and Tetsuya Takarada, which is Akira Takarada's family, they really, really, really went out of their way to give them, a, give us a above and beyond like the Japanese welcome like you feel really loved and really wanted in their country you know as visitors as visitors and they also made you feel like family mm -hmm. so they were able to not only talk to Ota-san who is the head of the Godzilla division of Toho and he was such a kind gentleman and he got TJ actually to go on stage and speak really briefly to the crowd to say, you know, how much he talked about, how much he appreciated it. And honestly, he wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for Toho, for the fans, you know, for, like, he, like he loved how much people love the legendary film. And that he was just really in awe and he was so well received by, you know, Tsunoi Nakajima and also the Takarada family uh, that... He we we had we had he spoke in English, but we had an amazing translator with us that day, Megumi. She also went on stage and translated for him, and everything was filmed live. I believe he was on like Yahoo Twitter and Yahoo Japanese Yahoo News, but also on Twitter, and they really gave him a really huge warm welcome. Like we he wasn't expecting to be on stage or anything. We were expecting to just like stand in the crowd, right? And then, like, observe from the back because people were there waiting since the morning. We arrived a little bit before it started, but they, because we landed and immediately went. So people were there from the morning, so we didn't want to shove our way to the front. So we honestly thought we would, we were just so blessed and just excited just to be there and witness it and kind of stand in the back. But people saw him from across the crowd. We saw a guy make eye contact, scream, and then we saw him run around the crowd because they're so polite, they won't go through the crowd, and then go up behind us. And I was just watching him, and I was like, it was... It was a, it was hilarious, but it was also very kind and very sweet. Because he came up and he was like, TJ son, I know who you are. I love your work. And TJ was just so surprised. Because it's it's one thing if you're in America and you are recognized. Because it's not it's a it's a film that was distributed through an American studio 
right? And you know English, so we're going to know who he is. But not always necessarily in other countries, even though I told him that they really, really adore and really support their suit actors, mm-hmm. you know? But he also understands. He's like, I don't want to take away from that, you know? They are Japanese legends. You know, I'm here doing my job, wanting to do the best here in America. But people recognize him. And he gave such a warm welcome. And after that, we were able to go to the Toho offices and to go upstairs. And he was able to really set his eyes. We were able to see what the Toho offices look like. Mm-hmm. Um, each, each room is named after a different kaiju. And he was also there to also receive. It was hand-drawn by uh, Shinji Nishikawa. He drew him something. Oh. And it was really, really amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. I mean, I believe the conference room was great, but I didn't want to overcrowd, so I stood outside in the hallway. But I was in there in and out a little bit. But they, they gave him such a warm welcome. And there were all the posters in the hallway were all of the Godzilla films. They kind of lined the hallway. And the lobby downstairs also had a huge Godzilla statue. So <laughs> it was really wonderful. Uh, um, yeah, and that was something that was arranged by Ota-san, uh, Sonoe Nakajima, and also Maki uh, Tetsuya Takarada, and also their father, Akira Takarada, who has, you know, been at G-Fest before, and he's so well-known here because he's like a national treasure, mm-hmm. a legendary actor there, and, like, his family, they were so welcoming. And usually what happens is at conventions, usually someone is able to come over and say hi to you, welcome you to the convention, and then they're on their way because they have their own work. But the people there said hi to him and then stayed with us almost all day. And then made sure that we had food, that we were taken care of. It rained a little bit, about 30 minutes outside, and TJ had to sign, you know, outside. Mm -hmm. They made sure, like, oh, hey, you know, it's going to rain. Do you have enough jacket? Do you want to move this inside? You know, do you want people to start signing inside? They were extremely considerate, and they stayed with us all day. And I was really, really touched because it's such a warm and loving welcome. And then that was the office, because the office is located in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And um, due to the Takarada family, they were able to take us to the Toho Studios. Uh, the fabled, the, 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 the holy grounds, if you will. The holy grounds. <laughs> It was absolutely amazing. There are rules. We are not allowed to take photos mm-hmm. outside of the studio. And by outside, I don't mean outside outside of the street, like the outside of the recording studios and mm-hmm. the filming studios. We can't. So uh, there was gorgeous murals. And we got to go in there. And it was a huge deal because uh, it's not open to public. It's very, very private. Um, I don't even know how many people involved in the last two legendary films also got to go and see it mm-hmm. um it is and also i think that weekend that was the thing where they were doing the lottery where i think five or how many people that were chosen that were fans got to go inside the studio 
Uh, we were obviously not part of that lottery system. I believe it's for people in the country of Japan. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got to go and we got to see the inside from, like, where they filmed to where Haru Nakajima uh, was in the water when he rose. One of the rivers that goes through it was for Seven Samurai. It was really great. It was really amazing. It was definitely once in a lifetime, and it was like 300% above where we thought anything was going to happen. And that was all thanks to Maki and Tetsuya uh, Takarada and also Akira Takarada because he was doing uh, a special, very, very special tea ceremony. Mm -hmm. If you were at G-Fest last year, and I don't know if you saw this, Chris, they had a special Godzilla teapot. Yeah, but yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, they were doing using those for the ceremony, and it's something that you take very seriously. And I think only maybe like 15 people won that lottery, and they had to pay for it to go. We got to participate in that as well. Oh. Um, and but we got to see it. We 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 stood in the back quietly because this is for the fans that won the lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, we were kind of last minute. So we got to go in there and we got to kind of see the ceremony and it was really, really amazing. So it was definitely once in a lifetime and Toho Studios was really gorgeous and he was able to get, um, Shimizu-san was one of the assistant directors of Shingojira and he gave him kind of an exclusive private tour Mm -hmm. that we could see all of the studio lots that were inside. So we got to see, we couldn't film inside our six photos or anything, but we were able to kind of see the inside and see, because it's such a wonderful place. It was really historic, I think, especially for TJS talent. Mm-hmm. To be in the same spot where actors before you filmed, you know, it's it's a, it's, a, a it's honoring it's yeah. yeah it's honoring those that came before you yeah yeah and it was really I think emotional for him and he just felt so blessed and it was such an amazing time uh, and I also really 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 enjoyed it and it means I think both as fans TJ and I are fans and it both means a lot to us but I think for him as an actor as talent as someone who's done all of these other things in the industry it meant so much to him. He was truly, really, really grateful. He absolutely loved it. And all this on the and, 60, and all this on the 65th anniversary too. And it was at the 65th anniversary. Yes, it was absolutely amazing, and it was really great. It was one of those. I was like, I wish I could take everybody. I wish I could like periscope this or Facebook Live, but I know we know better than that. You don't you don't do that. So mm-hmm. it was great, and I could see why. You know, it was just really amazing and there was definitely things that we saw inside when you walked in you got to see really amazing things that they put inside that actually is being put together as a video that I believe um, will be put out soon just like kind of this is a great time for us Godzilla fans to kind of see what other people are kind of up to, you know, like we're consuming more content online mm-hmm. and we have videos that we put together of TJ's time there. 
and certain things that we could film inside Toho Studios that I think we could be able to show in a little bit. And I feel like it'll also help us in our, you know, quarantined, isolated life for the next month or two months or how long we have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those videos and photos are being put together. You know, I think he was, you know, TJ and I were smart. A lot of people are like, we wanted to see them right after the 65th anniversary because TJ did stream live on Facebook for a couple minutes during the Toho thing. But also we didn't, we wanted enough time to pass. So his, you know, his experiences in Tokyo, how loved he felt, even the food that we ate. I don't think he wanted that to overshadow the 65th. And that, I think people were excited from beginning of 2019 to like December of 2019. So I feel like now is kind of a good time to kind of throw out snippets of his time there and kind of show a little bit of what we can in, uh, in Toho Studios. So that was, and then we flew home, like, the next day. So we were only there for, like, two, three days, and we were so welcomed by everybody that was there. Did, did, did you go to the it store? Was a really amazing time. We did get to go to the Godzilla store, where we have this great, I, we have a great, I would say a little, like, film snippet of him mm-hmm. shopping in the Godzilla store. Because uh, he was just so excited. He was able to sign one of the autograph blocks and also have it up there. And it's surreal because there's Matt Frank. There's also Akira Takarada-san. There was all these other famous people. And he goes, and then my signature's up there. And he learned from uh, Sanoe uh, Nakajina uh, how to write Godzilla in Japanese. Mm. He was a quick learner. And she was so loving and so patient. She was able to teach him, and he picked it up immediately. So he signed a lot of it in English mm-hmm. and in Japanese. Japanese, and I believe it's up in the store, and it was awesome. He had such a great time at the store, and he was there, and he's like, I just want to buy everything. This is amazing. <laughs> we don't really have something quite like that here, because it was kind of the first official Godzilla store yeah. in the world. So we had pop-ups, you know, I know, in like bookstores, but it's not the same. That's actually a store store. Yeah. So he had a he had a great time. So that was another place that we were able to go. And then and then we flew home. So that was that nutshell, it was like a I call it a whirlwind trip mm-hmm. because we barely slept and then we had to get up the next day. And I also wanted to say TJ is extremely disciplined because for those who've seen him what he looks like physically. He's someone who's obviously, he does martial arts, everything. He does vocab. Mm-hmm. He would still get up at four in the morning and work out in our hotel. <laughs> like he would go, like, I don't know where he goes. I'm in a different room. But apparently by the time I meet up with him for breakfast, he's already worked out to keep, he's like, Godzilla's got to stay in shape. <laughs> so he, he worked out and then have breakfast, get every, and then he's ready. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So he really he really kept to a good schedule there, too. So that was trip. <clears throat> that was trip one in November. Uh, yes. Because yes. you took off. Yes. 
uh, we did it. Uh, we were we were getting ready to go to do a review of the DVD set, and then you told me I gotta go to Japan. I'm like, all right, we'll do it when we come back. So when you came back, you're home for how long? I was I was home for maybe like only ten or fifteen days, and then I took off again to Japan for a completely also work related and kaiju related. And I guess comic book manga related. Mm -hmm. But during that time, we also didn't able to do a podcast. So I also want to say for those listening, Chris has been extremely patient. And I know that he told a lot of people, which was fine because he and I spoke about it. My dad had passed kind of suddenly in February and that of 2019. And that kind of obviously affects one's mood Mm -hmm. and energy level. And then when we were boarding the plane the morning coming back from our Toho trip, my first dog I've ever had, Teddy, that Chris had also met, passed away suddenly at the veterinary dog boarding place. So after, like, an amazing weekend, as busy as it was, like, the Dick Grayson of dogs died. Right. I say that I say that comparison mm-hmm. because I think people often talk about how many Robins they like or like which Robin is your favorite. Mm-hmm. And I feel like regardless of whether you like Dick Grayson or not, you kind of know why he's the favorite because he's kind of the first Robin. Yes. You know, he's the first ward of Batman. So I actually have three dogs and I love them all, but there's really nothing like your first dog, mm-hmm. you know, because he's Teddy was my first dog and then he passed away. So I had to, like, cry on the airplane home. TJ was very kind and was like, is there anything I can help you? Uh, my my best friend came on the trip, Sam. He was also the assistant for that weekend. He was like, oh, no, this is bad. And then so right after the plane landed, you know, TJ actually went to work immediately because mm-hmm. he's very disciplined. Uh, I went to go see Teddy and uh, the vet. So it was just, like, days of me crying and then you knew immediately because I, I texted you and then you were like oh no you texted me oh, from no. from Japan as you were like I got Japan. up I texted you from Japan yes and was like oh yeah I, I it was like, it was oh my god I woke yes. up because I told her because I I, I, I I before Jessica left I'm like oh like I need to see pictures you go to the store find you know you see something let me know I wake up and there's a text she's like I'm getting ready to board the plane Teddy died and it's just the saddest emoji that a person can muster I'm just like oh no oh no 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 because yes he was your first like you I mean to to give a little you know back on how how long did you how old was he when he when he passed on he was 15. Okay. Uh, 15 and a half. So th- the thing was, he was recovering fine. Mm-hmm. And he was doing great. So I was expecting like 16, 17, 18 years old. He was doing great. Every, you know, he was doing so much better. Everything. So it was still unexpected. And mm-hmm. it was also the guilt of not being there. I know. Right? Like yes. you're not physically there. But, you know, Sam and you have explained he may be best. If you were not there, yes, because you will lose your mind mm-hmm. when it's your first dog, and it definitely is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no death is easy, right? And then it was, I called, I called Teddy, you know, one of my great loves. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad's one of my great loves, and it was like two in a year, 
And then so immediately coming back, I was just, I had, you have to cremate and there was just so much getting done. And then I also had to prepare for the next trip and it just emotionally, I was just drained and we just couldn't record. But Chris was like, no, I understand. It wasn't like you saw Teddy's death coming. Yeah. Right. You didn't, you know, RIP little dog in heaven. I don't, no one saw this coming. Mm -hmm. So it was sudden. And then I went to Japan a second time. Within 10 days. which like is within like yeah like 10 15 days insane. i was like oh my goodness absolutely insane um, I, I actually didn't unpack from the first trip i just got a second empty suitcase <laughs> that was in my home and just took from there so i didn't have time to unpack right and then when i went to japan i will say this all these cute things i'm like oh it looks like teddy and i'm like ah oh crap the second trip is gonna be rough mm-hmm. um because he was like a little Lhasa Lhasa Apso Shih Tzu. Mm-hmm. So, and Japan is the king of kawaii, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of cute things reminded me of him. And I was like, no, get your head in the game. You're there to do work. So the second time I had went, I uh, we went straight to Kitakyushu for the International Manga Summit, which was a big deal because all of the countries come together and go to the summit to kind of talk about the progression and how what they can do more in the manga community and by academics by that i'm a comic book historian Mm -hmm. and so i had went as mostly press because i wanted to experience something that is really it's like a big deal you know it's the international manga summit and manga obviously has an amazing long history in Japan and did not know that I was the only American going. Um, my assistant and best friend Sam came as well, but he was there as support because I had so much work I had to do, mm-hmm. but I was there and literally we were like, we are the only Americans here. Uh, and everyone else was from obviously japan but we had south korea we had taiwan hong kong malaysia singapore macau china and all of them also had their own ambassadors and their ambassadors so it was it was like a ceremony and a summit so it's not really open to public it's not a convention or an expo and what happens is each country also their artists would come so manga artists would come and it's a really good time for them to talk about the future of manga also to build relationships with other artists of other countries so i was able to add to my reading collection all of these great in china like manhua is how we would pronounce it there and also korean manhua the mm-hmm. also manga from different countries and really look at it because the styles are still slightly different how they tell stories is slightly different but it was really really interesting because next year's uh summit which is actually this year 2020 will be in china so they even have a ceremony where they could also pass on the flag to the next person to yeah. the next country to the, to the ambassador of that country so that was really really great because I was able to even kind of further expand my knowledge and also experience 
how they see manga and how they see manga's future. They had several seminars, and then they had an entire beautiful gallery of all of these artists' work, uh, selected artists' work. Mm -hmm. And in the seminar, this year's, I think, topic that they wanted to focus on, and by this year I should have said 2019 plus 2020 because they're trying to focus it for the future, is how to increase tourism through the love of manga. Because if you look at a lot of their characters, there are a lot of their characters come, while fictional, they come from real, you know, real cities, mm -hmm. real areas of Japan. It's not really like here, Metropolis and Gotham is real. Mm -hmm. They're fictional cities. Or it's just They're New York. to New York and <clears throat> Chicago. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the same. But they would actually have characters from Hokkaido, you know, from the Kanto region, from these different regions. So they have representatives, like the mayors, the leaders of each of these prefects, uh, prefectures. Mm -hmm. They would come and they would talk about, so this is what my region is known for, these characters. Uh, you know, like Conan the Boy Detective or this character and this character. And we are building more things in our city or in our town that is centered around this manga and these characters, hoping that those who do love, who are fans of that manga series, will come to our town and stay here. And they'll try to find ways to also, you know, like their food. They have restaurants, uh, themed cafes or themed museums around those characters so that they'll want them to kind of stay there a little bit longer. Because what they don't want is, for example, I just go into a town or a city, take a photo with that manga statue, and then leave. They want you to stay at their hotels, to their themed cafes, go to their museums, shop at their malls, buy T-shirts from there, right? Buy yeah. their toys. So they're, each region is trying to find their own way to grow tourism through manga, which I find absolutely amazing because we don't really have something here in the United States. But over there, you can actually go, because if you look at, if you want to do it, you can look at the anime based off of the manga, or you could look at the manga and be like, I recognize that building. Mm -hmm. That building is in the background of this panel or this volume. I recognize. And sometimes they'll also cross over with real historical characters. So when you go there, you're like, I recognize this castle or I recognize this historical figure because that historical figure met up with this fictional character. So they've really interwoven a lot of their culture and their food and everything into their manga stories. So I find that really interesting. You know, not a lot of other countries have that. Very, very similar, like in a slight overlap would be Sherlock Holmes in London. Mm hmm and by the actual streets, right? But they have that there. So it was really fun, and it was really amazing because I would say Hiroshi uh, Kanatani, right? He, he, he has been on our podcast mm -hmm. San Diego Comic-Con as one of our guests. He was the translator for me there, and he was also the one who he and I talked about the summit because he was one of the artists that were going. And it was really great. And he helped out tremendously while we were there. 
uh, because we also didn't know if there was going to be a translator for us. There was. There was a great gentleman there named Huron who was able to, he did the Japanese to English translation. Mm -hmm. I really feel like he only did it for three people in the room, mm -hmm. <laughs> mostly for me. But he was amazing, and he also stayed with us afterwards as well and showed us around the town. And because afterwards, we all went to a, it was my idea, uh, it was a lightning bug, lightning insect. Mm -hmm. um, it was fireflies. Excuse me. Uh, it was Firefly Museum. I don't know why it said lightning bug. But it was a firefly museum there because Kitakyushu has very specific fireflies only to that region. Mm -hmm. And these two gentlemen came along and translated and stayed with me and Sam on my crazy, crazy, like, adventures that I wanted to go there because I really wanted to see if, if I'm ever there for business I want to try to at least stay for one or two days and see what's local mm -hmm. so I was able to see what's local and I found this little firefly museum there that I absolutely loved and the director there was so excited to see a bunch of foreigners come in <laughs> well two locals but two uh, you know foreigners to come in and he spent over an hour or two hours kind of really going everything in his exhibit. And I got to see fireflies and everything, which I don't get to see that much because we're located here out in Los Angeles. So I didn't really get to see it as much. And I love nature and I love entomology. So I was able to do that. And it was also really hilarious because he knew about the International Manga Summit because they make a big deal in Japan about manga and anime so when you land in the Haneda or Narita airport there are all of their characters welcoming you to Japan every city does it they had manhole covers that had <laughs> colored anime characters on there so when you look down on the street these manhole covers sewer covers had anime and manga characters on there so much like Comic Con kind of engulfs the gas lab district yeah. this older gentleman, this director, he's like, oh yeah, I know about the International Manga Summit, because all the restaurants have, like, changed their menus, and it's a big deal for us, because it was really, that region, Kitakyushu, the southern part of Japan, so everyone, most people only know Tokyo, right, Osaka, Kyoto, and he's like, no, you know, we need tourism, and we need people to kind of come out there. So he was really like, he, everyone knew about it. Everybody, all the locals knew about it. So the and summit is, thing. is the summit just pretty much like a, a, just a series of conferences or was it like an actual show where there was a floor and everything? There was no exhibit hall. Mm. It is a conference. Okay. It is a conference. So it was mm. really, really interesting to kind of really kind of see all the things that they have there and what they plan to keep manga alive or to further progress it. You know, they're always looking for ways to improve Yeah. because that's one of the great things about these summits and conferences. And a lot of it is kind of, a lot of the artists also catch up. This is the only time of the year they can kind of meet and see each other is at the summit. So there was a lot of people taking photos and exchanging their works and exchanging their books. And it was really, really great. So it's kind of It was really amazing. And I saw people from Taiwan and Hong Kong, <laughs> and I was like, those are my parents' people. <laughs> those so, are your peeps? It was my people. Uh, <laughs> and it was really interesting. And they were also, they're very curious because 
uh, I'm not Caucasian looking. Mm -hmm. So when they're like, oh, you're American, but you look Asian. And I was like, yes, there is that. And they were like, well, past that initial shock. Then they asked me, how is manga received Mm -hmm. in the United States? Because some artists are happy with their country's sales, and I think that's great. And then some artists are trying to find ways to break in and sell their manga here in the United States. So there was a lot of that conversation kind of going around. Yeah, it's, it's interesting right now, especially considering the group of people that are that are knee-deep into that stuff. Like, it's not... It definitely isn't what it was when you and I were, like, in high school. Like, when it was kind of breaking out and kind of getting... I mean, you remember Borders, right? Borders books? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was the haven for manga back then. Like, Barnes & Noble could not be bothered with it. They washed their hands of it. Borders embraced it. And unfortunately, at that point, like, the way that the industry was working was, say, Viz wanted to you know, get, like, a brand-new book. The company that had it, like, uh, uh, like, like, uh, Code of or something, they're like, all right, you can have this, but you got to take these three other mediocre ones on the side. So you'd have this saturation of stuff that was great and then stuff that was mediocre and then stuff that was just kind of bad. Case in point, yeah. I'm looking at my shelf right now, and I have the entire run of the Battle Royale manga which is 15 volumes, and it it has one of the loosest translations I've ever read of an entire series ever because they gave it to a guy who had no idea how to read Japanese, so he just kind of had the cliff notes of what they were saying and just rewrote the dialogue. So that was the world yeah. we were living in. Yeah. Yeah. Today, uh, well, shit, today we're, we're kind of figuring out whether or not the actual comic industry is going to survive all this stuff right now, so... It's uh, it's gonna be interesting. It yeah, and it was it was really interesting because it was because everybody who I spoke to was like, oh, it's like an anime festival. I was like, it is a manga summit. Very different. It is not. Mm-hmm. It's too. I mean, there's some overlap, but I was like, uh, no, no, it is manga, like the thing you read. Yes. So a lot more people, I feel that I've spoken to or reach out to me first are aware of the anime. Mm-hmm. But their purpose there was to really let manga really take its effect, you know. And they also, it was really, really great. And there was also a pop culture festival next door that was happening, and there was a couple American artists there as well, like Babstar was there. Oh. Yeah, Marcus Toe and Babstar was there. Babstar had a, uh, I'm going to call it a fellowship, because for some reason the actual word escapes me, but they were there for two weeks, mm-hmm. because I think they were doing art murals, or she was te- or doing an art class, or there was something there. And so they were at Kitakushu for two weeks. But I ran into them. I love manga, but my introduction into sequential art was westernized. Mm-hmm. So when I made eye contact, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Bab and it's Marcus. I was like, "Those are my people. And I went up, and they were so excited. We were talking. And they asked about how the International Manga Summit went because they also had little, they had a stamp book that you can collect these stamps 
wax mm -hmm. ink and stamp, not yeah. postage stamp, where if you found certain uh, spots, if you went to it, like if you went to the art gallery, there was a little stamp station there. Mm -hmm. If you went to a different, uh, they had a manga library and museum pop up there. If you went there and you finished the museum, which I also went to, to see all of these selected manga artists, at the end, you also got an ink and stamp. So you felt also accomplished. I think it's a very efficient and productive way to make you, it seems silly, but small things like this is like, a part of me is like, I need to collect all these stamps. Oh, yes. And I need to do all of the summit seminars and conferences so I can get these little stamps at the end. It was, yeah, it was really interesting. And when I was sitting on the opening ceremony, I looked around, you know, I'm very aware of who certain artists are, but you also don't know them by face. But I did see somebody from Hong Kong that had a Spider-Man hoodie on, and I was like, that man and I are about to be friends because <laughs> he's wearing something that I recognize. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was wonderful. We spoke. and we. But the thing is, they were under British ruling for so long, so we spoke a lot about the MCU film. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he's wearing a Spider-Man. Um, and kind of, we were able to do that. So everybody there was really great, really friendly. And that was the first half of my second trip. Um, afterwards, we moved our way up to, I moved my way up to Tokyo because right after that was the first Tsuburaya festival. Ah, yes. That was <clears throat> taken place by Tsuburaya. Uh, and it was really, really interesting experience. I also very much enjoyed that very much as well. So um, first off, so how long were you in Japan this time? That that was the second trip. I realized earlier I misspoke. I did three trips to Japan. Mm -hmm. But this is the second trip, the one with Tsuburaya Festival and also the International Manga Summit. I was there for a total of three and a half, four weeks. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was toward the, sec the late latter half of the second trip yeah. because this took place in Tokyo. And it was near the Tokyo Dome, and it was really amazing. There was a long line of people outside, just out the door. You had to, It's a two-day event. You either got your one-day ticket standing in line, or the other line was for people who already bought their weekend tickets, however, bought them from, like, Lost or 7-Eleven, which is their version of a convenience store. You can mm -hmm. buy tickets there. And so it was kind of a new experience because I was there as kind of international press but also a fan it was really interesting it's very it's super IFS but it's still quite Ultraman heavy oh, well that's their bread and butter yeah but there are many other characters that you would also recognize it was slightly smaller however it was still it was, it was very crowded it was sheer number of people I still need to put up photos it was quite crowded and a lot of independent artists there had things that were only limited edition runs. So much like Comic-Con, people that were there first and early bought all of that out. So by, even though I came early and on time, by the time I got in, certain items I wanted were already gone. Uh, however, I was there mostly for... I do love Ultraman. There was a lot of beautiful models and figures everywhere. I was actually there to look, one, to report on how it was, mm -hmm. but also was there for Bushka items. 
<laughs> you love that yeah, crazy cat, uh, don't you? I love that that weird ass buckfuse giraffe. So <laughs> I love them, and it was really great. You know, the only artist there I knew was Matt Frank, and again Hiroshi Katatani, because he was he was there at Kita Kyushu, and then I saw him like two weeks later. He's like, we meet again, and he was also there because they had booths. But I was there, and I saw everything that was in there. It was one large exhibit room, mm-hmm. and one side was all of the independent artists and their models and everything. The other side was more Subaraya official things, so you can buy actual postcards and actual items, and they had, like, busts and props that were there. So it was really great for its first time, and I can definitely see it expanding and progressing better also in the future as well. It seems it seems very <clears throat> successful. It wasn't empty at all. Yeah. It was very successful. They also had two exhibits that were also Kaiju and Subaraya related. And I also went to both of those exhibits. One was interactive and so you got to see like Pidgemon. It was interactive you saw him kind of on a digital projection of a wall in a forest and every once in a while he'll peep out and look at you and then you kind of got to see animatronics of like the red king so it was like walking with dinosaurs but with super eye uh that was one yeah that was one that was one uh and you got to you know it was really interesting. And they had a little gift shop at the end. The other one was part of a space and science-related museum. So you kind of went through the museum, but there is one section of it that has Ultraman because it does take place in space or other planets. So they took this time to also educate people about the solar system and the universe. You know, and everything. So one was more science-based exhibit. The other one was more of an interactive walking with dinosaurs type of exhibit. So they were both really great and really amazing. Um, and they all, all of that took place at the Tokyo Dome. It's so that's the one of, on my list of places I need to go before I die. Partially because it's a wrestling mecca. Yeah, yes, yes. There was, uh, when we were there in Japan, when I was there, there was a huge uh, sumo wrestling. And so I just I just missed it while I was there. But, I mean, I didn't get to see it. I had yeah. friends who were there because I uploaded it. And sumo wrestling was there, too. And, of course, the rest that you enjoy as well. But there is just a lot going on you i don't think i think a person can live in japan their whole life and never be bored because there's so many amazing exhibits museums art some are permanent and then some rotate you know what i mean so there's always something going on that that always astonished me that we out here like you and i live in the greater los angeles area and you know we do take it for granted from time to time because there is there is stuff to do out here but the fact that we never really embraced that kind of stuff. Like, the pop-ups are starting to become, like, a big thing, but they don't seem to, like, put the same effort into what, like, the stuff I see that comes out of Japan ever. 
Like, occasionally you'll get, like, a, um, last year for the anniversary of, uh, Wayne's World out here, they did a Stanley Makita's Donut Shop, which was cool, but then it's like you walk in and it's, it, it's like, oh, it's just a hollowed out, like, KFC that they kind of semi-decorated. It's like, I give an A for effort, but, like, C in execution. <clears throat> and they really, you know, it's right, stuff like that. right. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're going to a thing where Ultraman is talking to you from space, and you're just like, God damn it. Like, why can't we have this? They really embrace it. That's what I love. They also had at the Subaraya Festival, I did not personally do it. Um, it cost extra money. However, it was you can attend panels or have dinners mm. with some of the talent. Uh, I did not do that. Uh, because it was not within my business budget or yeah. the stipend I was given. However, I did hear that I haven't seen anything negative online, so I assume everything went really well. And I'm sure that if we were given the chance, we would have jumped on it. Mm-hmm. Also given a translator. Yeah. Uh, there was I had no translator this time for Subaraya Fest. So I just hands out feeling my way out. I was trying to negotiate if I see a little... You know, once I'm done taking photos and doing the interviews, I wanted to buy something. There was a lot of hand gesturing for me. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of Google Translate folks, that app will save your life. Yes. And it's free. And I Google translated my way through Japan. And my mother is right. She's like, you have too much business with them there not to learn the language. She knows it. Mm-hmm. Because my mother's amazing. She speaks, reads, and writes like 14 languages. And Japanese is one of them. But I do not have my mother's gift. So the gift I received was Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, yeah. So I was like, mm, I can't do this. And I was trying to talk about men, and I was like, oh, Lord, help me. Did you end up grabbing anything? Was, I did. I did. Please, people, bring cash, bring yen. Just. Don't try, don't try to credit card your way through any festivals or conventions or anything. Just do, do cash. Do your yen. Uh, I did. I did. I mostly bought little, uh, like, limited editions. So, it's like, the artists would make it, like, one out of 100. A lot of Bushka items. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just walking around with an armful of Bushka stuff while everyone else around me has Ultraman stuff. Because they have huge Ultraman displays, mm-hmm. you know, of, of figures in various sizes. But it's just me walking around with that. Also because I can't choose one Ultraman, right? I want them all. I want all the reiterations. Mm-hmm. However, all the versions. There's only really one Bushka. So I'm just walking around with hands of, hands of that stuff. Um, and, yeah, so I did pick up not as many items as I would have wanted because the people ahead of us that got in have already kind of wiped out some of the some of the booths and the artists items it's good to know that that's not just an ugly american thing <laughs> uh, yeah um i don't know the nationality of the people that went forward and bought them and maybe might resell i don't yeah but by the time i was there these people these artists were like i'm sorry it's already gone and i was like ah oh, crap well I'm going to keep in touch with you via Instagram. I hope you make another version of it so I can buy it. Uh, but, yes, there was that. A lot of model kits, a lot of figures, a lot of toys, a lot of handmade plushes, 
of Ultraman so and what? a lot of the kaiju monsters, a lot of Red King stuff. There is a lot. I took a lot of photos. It was really, really impressive. Well, you don't go 50 years without... And how amazing they are. Yeah, you I'm don't sorry, go, what? You don't go 50 years without, you know, making an impression on a society like that. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. And it was really... Like, there is Ultraman Festival that takes place in the summer for one month. I've also been to that several years back. But that is just 100% Ultraman. I would say this is like... 80% Ultraman, mm-hmm. 20% other things. So it was it was actually pretty good. I I enjoyed it. Was there like a big push for like Gridman and um and what else were they doing? And the uh, the Netflix anime. There was. I heard people talking about it, and I saw figures, and I saw busts. So I really feel like people were talking about it. I could tell. Mm-hmm. And there were. Um, there were a lot of there were a lot of Australians there oh. because I would see them. I mean, I I, I would see a beautiful, fair-skinned face, mm-hmm. and I'm like my stereotypical thinking. I am like Americans, my people. Uh, go over Australian. <laughs> I think it's also because there's a proximity, yeah, right to there. It, it, it's easier to just fly upwards, right? Mm-hmm. And they like that stuff. And they're also aware that one of them actually, when I spoke with them, knew that Yumei Tamora, I think, was in Australia for a little bit, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, and then went back to Japan. Like, there was a relationship there between the two countries, at least from the director and a few other actors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, oh no, you know, we love this stuff, and it's easy. You know, we can just kind of fly up from you know Australia up to Japan. So. But it was mostly a lot of people there, I would say, are Japanese and uh, from mainland China. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely that as well. And it was really interesting. I also had known that during my trip there, they also had a huge, it was like Comic Cats, but it wasn't, but it was for all independent manga artists that self publish. Mm. And it was just. I would say over 700 little, uh, like 10 feet wide, five feet wide tables of all of these self-published manga artists. And it was so amazing to see, because I stumbled across it, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, it was overwhelming. And they would alphabetize it, you know, so everything was kind of you could find certain artists. It was looking at, like, one large artist alley. I thought I stumbled across an artist alley. I'm like, where is this portal I've been to? Mm-hmm. But it takes place a few times a year. But it turned out to be, it was not, was just all of these artists and their published work. And it was really interesting. So that was, that was something that was also there during my second trip. And I was originally going to stay for Jump Fest. However, I was called back to the States uh, for some work and for some personal reasons. And so I wasn't able to stay for Jump Fest, but I would like to have done that as well. Because I'm curious to know the average age of the person that will be at Jump Fest. <laughs> Explain to everyone what Jump Fest is. So Jump Fest is all of like the Shonen Jump characters kind of, and their mangas uh, and their animes coming together into one large festival every year, and it introduces what's coming up for the next year. 
So you get your Dragon Ball, your Bleach, your One Piece. Yeah. Mostly probably One yeah. Piece out there. Yeah, I think Naruto. Yes, Naruto too. Yeah, yeah, Naruto and everything. All of your so, fight anime, all of your fight mangas and your animes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My Hero Academia's. Yeah, 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 a lot of that, yes. So I was kind of interested to see that, but I know that's every year. So I'm hoping to make it for this year. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, considering everything that's getting shuffled around right now. It's uh, it's going to be interesting how the the tail end of this year is going to play out. Yeah, yeah, and I could definitely see in the hilarious scenario where you and I are at Jump Fest and we are just the yellow flower in the sea of red flowers. I will say this: that uh, this um, whole thing that's going on might <laughs> prove to be my 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 way to finally get over to Japan because I think once everything's said and done, everything's going to just be so ridiculously cheap because everyone's just trying to get back up there that that might be the time to strike. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it'll be fun. I can watch you watch Japan. Uh, like, that would be watch your eyes uh, kind of open. But I, I was curious to know the average, not the average, because that sounds so stereotypical, but like kind of what the audience was like, what the attendees were like at a jump fest. Because mm-hmm. it was really interesting at Tsuburaya Fest and also for the International Manga Summit and also like the average age, the average kind of person that attends, you know, professionals versus fans, you know, stuff like that. It's just interesting to observe. It's nothing to judge for me because I just think it's such a fascinating culture that keeps on evolving. And um, it would be interesting. I would, I would, I would pay money to see Chris Eaton walk through a wave of One Piece and Naruto and Dragon Ball Z fans. You and give me a, watch your eyes. Look. You give me a Dragon Ball and you'll give me a Bleach. Uh, I just, I could, I, I Naruto is a little after my time, and everyone keeps telling me to watch My Hero Academia, but it's just like I'm like. Eh. I'll try, but I can I I I can promise you I'll try, or no, how's the word go? I can't say I'll try, but I'll try to try. <laughs> I was in on Bleach. I uh, I was right or down that a Dragon Ball will go to the grave with me as one of the greatest things of all time. But the, it, as as showings have um, progressed, it's it's the adult in me finds it just a little bit harder each time to kind of you know, fall along with it. I think One Punch Man was the last time I was like, I like this. I like this a lot. I want to see where it goes. But at the same time, it's also kind of making fun of that whole genre at the same time. So I think that's a little bit different. Like, I can't I can't do 900 episodes of One Piece. I just, I, I don't know how people do it. You have to be in at the beginning, uh, I, I suppose. Oh, my goodness. So One Piece was on a streaming device and I made it all the way up to maybe the last 40 episodes or something like shy shy of of, of 50 and then it was taken down mm-hmm. and I just never finished I was on fire during that time and then it just did it so yeah but, now, I, the, but, the most I know of it is occasionally I come across clips of it from um, on uh, YouTube, but it, it, 
The most I know of it was when it was on Fox Kids, like at the end of the 90s. And they had that rap song that Fox, you know, that all those four four kids uh, animes at the time. Four kids also who did the, they attempted to bring Ultraman back to America with their version of Ultraman Tiga, which was just clownish. That's the best way I could put it. Which makes me really happy that Mill Creek has been pumping out what they have. Like, I'm right now I'm watching, uh, since we're all locked up. I been uh, I get on my treadmill and I run and I watch a show like I'll put on two episodes or something. So I've been plowing through Ultraman Orb and it's uh it's quite dandy. I I I've really enjoyed the crap out of it. The fact that it also breaks away from the the standard formula of like an Ultraman's it's a mini series. It's like twelve episodes and it's a prequel series. But the fact that it breaks away from the standard formula, I'm like, this is this is quite amazing. It, it kind of brings back those feels of when you're a kid and why you loved watching these movies in the first place. So, I, I look forward to Antigua yeah. and especially uh, toward, uh, Towards the Future finally get like a proper release over here. Uh, those are what I am waiting for. Right. Yes. And I feel like you know why I watch One Piece. Mm-hmm. There's one particular character. <laughs> He's so cute. Is it, uh, so, it's uh, Chopper, right? Yeah, Tony Tony Chopper. <laughs> I do yeah. love that name, Tony Tony Chopper. That is, it's, it's so freaking ridiculous. Oh, that little SOB took my heart. <laughs> so, he's so, he's so cute. He's a doctor, but he's also childlike. Isn't that what, isn't that how it works? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is. He is, yeah. <laughs> He's a reindeer that got that gained sentiency from uh, what eating one of the devil fruits. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But he's so he's so cute. Just, I, I every yeah. look, look I, I there are time I text there are times I'll text Jessica in the middle of the night because I'll see something or I'll send her something. I'm just like this has your nam- number written all over it. When I saw the preview for that freaking dog movie with uh, Harrison Ford, I'm just like. Yeah, this is. Oh gosh! <laughs> I saw it, and I really liked that movie. I I know a lot of people gave it crap because it was a CG dog, but I'm like, the stuff they did with the dog in that, there's no way you're going to get a real dog to do any of that stuff. And if they did, you would have had a million people complaining about it for animal cruelty reasons. I'm like, the dog looked great, and he was expressive as hell. And, you know, that it's, it's, we're in a day and age, if you can do it well enough, like, go ahead. Like, that was a point where I, I always see people argue over CG versus real. I'm like, look, we grew up in an, like, Jessica and I grew up in an age of tons of animal movies. We were there for the Disney remakes of Homeward Bound. We were there for the uh, White Fangs and the Shilohs and the Milo Notices. Like, yes. They're fine, but there are times you cannot get those damn animals to do what you want or really get really aggressive with them. Like, you can't have them really fight or anything like that. And that's what Call of the Wild did. They Like, there's a lot of stuff. It's like, you, if these were real animals, like, the Humane Society would have shut that thing down in, like, 20 minutes. It's a lot of fun. It's right. a fun film. Right. I understand. Yeah. And so, it does, and it yeah. does, like, have your number written all over it, too. Oh my gosh, no. It sucked me in. Like, Monster Hunter? Do you mm-hmm. know how it sucked me in? Mm-hmm. A little pig. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, kind of darn ass cute pig. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, 
what have you done? I mean, obviously monsters and everything, but the pig. So it was, yeah, my room, my room is two extremes of like monster kaiju memorabilia and just flush. And adorable animals. So there's, no, there's no middle. People will come in and they are, they don't understand who lives here. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, it was it was a thing. So how yeah, many, if we ever go? How many puas do you have? Oh, I have like six puas. Mm-hmm. I mean, different 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 items of like plush. I have six plush puas. Not the same. I don't buy the same item multiple times. So there's like a more there's a sleep version of him. There's a version of him sitting up with his eyes open. So I am not. I I understand people love hey hey. Mm-hmm. I I prefer Pua the pig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for Moana, from those who are like you've jumped, you've jumped genres and franchises. Yeah. Uh, the one yeah, plush so I got I sitting here a... that's staring at me with its dead eyes. I got a, a plush puppy cat I bought at WonderCon a couple years ago. Just mocking me. <laughs> like I get up and it's like oh. that scene in Ghostbusters. It's like it's looking at me, Ray. I think that's something we'll do. We'll do like a uh, like a cribs version once once because again another thing Jessica was in the middle of doing she was moving from one place to a new place so I think once and I moved yes last year I did a huge move so I moved as well so um, I think yeah I think something we can do is uh, once everything's settled in because we are part of another thing we're doing where with everything down uh, I'm relaunching our our youtube page i mean i'm not it relaunching in the sense i'm kind of giving a little spruce up and we're gonna start putting new content on there um i think we'll, we might do like a little cribs thing like once jessica gets her stuff that uh, you know everything's situated we can do like a little like here's what's in jessica's collection yeah yeah i'm gonna do one for mine because i got <laughs> i get so much crap i'm looking at right now just a wall of bandai figures that if one earthquake hit me like yeah i've You'll find my body buried under this, this you know, wall unit, but I'll probably have died with all the things that I love. <laughs> so don't feel too bad. Yeah, I was just like, oh my goodness, I have so... And there's always really interesting to find really interesting things there as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that was my second trip out to Japan. So, and then there was a third trip. Immediately, I came back. It was Christmas. Uh, it was also a little different, for, you know, because the first, we were going to record an ending and beginning of the 2019-2020, but it's my, like, first Christmas and first New Year's without my dad. Mm-hmm. So I spent some time with my mom. Um, I think with first gone, it will be slightly it's still going to hurt, but it's going to be slightly easier, mm. I guess. Cause, and Chris, as I was telling you all, is very understanding in knowing that firsts are very difficult. So after not being able to record during that time, I then immediately went to Hokkaido, Japan. Went back to Japan for a third time uh, in February, in the beginning. So during beginning COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. But... It hadn't really spread yet. No. I mean, the media only knew what it knew. So we uh, went to Hokkaido because it was their kind of world-famous snow festival. 
where people would make out of snow these five, six stories high snow sculptures. There are several of them, and there's smaller ones as well. And then there's a lot of ice sculptures. And I've always wanted to see those, but also to tie back into work because it's so prevalent in their culture. Several of their snow sculptures were My Hero Academia. Mm -hmm. They were Pikachu. They were, in the past, they've had Darth Vader. And they've had all these parts, amazing parts of pop culture woven into their snow sculptures and their ice sculptures. So their still pop culture is so prevalent there, especially ones from their own, you know, from their own country. So it was really cool seeing a large My Hero Academia snow sculpture. Uh, it was very cold. This Californian girl mm -hmm. was there. <laughs> it's been a long time since I saw snow. I think I'm only able to see it one more time this year, and then I think I'm good for the next 10 years. I cannot, I cannot do this. Because, so, uh, well, uh, Hokkaido yeah. gets insane amount of snow. It was. I believe it started snowing like September, October of 2019. Mm -hmm. But they need all of that snow to make five feet. Five, yeah. I'm sorry, five-story <clears throat> tall sculptures. Uh, and it's also, and then the whole city transforms into it because they know it's a big deal. You know, it's a huge part of their tourism, their festivals, their traditions. And it hurt so bad because the day it ended, they're like, 10 p.m., we close. I'm like, okay, cool. 10 p.m., close. The next morning, looking out my window, they're just bulldozing down mm. these gigantic snow sculptures in which I felt, how long did it take the team to build? And it's international. Yeah. So they have people coming in from Poland, Taiwan, Hawaii, different places. And I'm like, these people put in so much work, but... They are so efficient. They're on it. The next morning, most of that stuff was gone. Yeah. I was like, oh. It's akin, to, it's akin to our Rose Parade where it's like they spend like two months building those things for, you know, two hours of going down a route in Pasadena. And then they since just rot and then he just get, you know, broken down. Like it, it's so... It's it's there's so much work that goes in. Yes, they get to be on TV for a minute, and then after that, you just move on. Like it's like wow, it's it's fascinating, but at the same time, it's like you just put all the effort in, and it just kind of it goes away. Yeah, it does. It does. And I was like, oh, I wish you could stay up for a couple days longer, but yeah. And I went out there to you know cover it also form the pop culture anime aspect because they also had food they have a lot of food there mm -hmm. food was everywhere you will not go hungry there are food stands everywhere it's like food trucks but they're booths um if you're okay standing in the snow you know there's yeah. there's food for you and then uh they have little stands so for example near the my hero academia um snow sculpture you can go to their little booth which is actually enclosed uh you can buy my hero academia snow festival 2019 sweaters mm -hmm. uh mirrors clocks you can buy little trinkets and stuff so they're very good at really you know marketing and getting the word out so it was really really interesting to see because there's a lot of other ones 
lot of other pop culture anime related things as well there so it was really it was definitely a sight to behold and at that time that one i would say because it's like the top 25 festivals in the world to go to there was a lot more diversity of people that were going mm -hmm. you know i saw i heard a lot of americans there were taiwanese people there russian uh people were there south korea there are people from vietnam a lot of people from the south like i met nice people from louisiana there were people coming in from africa south america england part france parts of europe so there's a lot of diversity because it was opened every day from like 10 a.m to like 10 p.m or something and that night it was beautiful because they would have colored lights and shows and projections on the snow sculptures to make it look like it was moving and when i went i would look around and it was a really diverse crowd it was really really fascinating to see uh, because most of a lot of the events you expect a more homogenous attendance but there was a lot more diversity that was there i did go overboard and i wore crampons because i don't want to sm slip in the snow and ice and break my legs so well, that's the last thing we need i was I know. I was I was not having that. I, I I knew I was the only one because I see everyone else walking around me fine. I saw someone that had to be local in Sapporo, Hokkaido. Mm -hmm. That's the city where it took place in. Saw a man running to try to catch a train, uh, like a subway, like underneath. And I saw a woman running in high heels. And I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> not for me. Nope. Not for me. So that pretty much that gives everyone a very good picture of what's been going on. Um, I know, like, pretty much I've been seeing on Facebook for a couple of weeks now. I've been like, oh, we're coming back, we're coming back. So now you know why. I've been waiting for Jessica to, because, again, I didn't want to just jump into another episode and be like, yeah, she'll be back. Like, again, a lot, again, a lot of people have asked, like, is she okay? Everything's going on? I'm like, yes. So... For the moment, oh, like, thank for, you, thank you. Yes, for for what she can tell you right now, this is again for she's very busy. She does a lot of work. Now you know, but with everything down now, um, we're we're gonna do our best, especially while um, everyone's kind of locked in place. And it looks like we're probably gonna be here for a few more weeks. We're gonna do our best to kind of put out um, as much uh, content as we can. Um, yes, yes, and and Chris was great. When we came back from Hokkaido, he was like, "Okay, it's February. We can, you know, get started." And then that was actually the anniversary of my dad's first passing. Mm -hmm. So, and then it was my mom's birthday where she had to celebrate her first birth, like without my dad. And it was after all the all the firsts were done. Mm -hmm. COVID nineteen hit. And then here we are, yes. time flies, and then now, as Chris was saying, he, we're, he put together this amazing production schedule. So I feel like emotionally it'll be a lot better, at least for me, because I got a lot of firsts out of the way mm -hmm. with my dad you know, passing. So I feel like I definitely, and during quarantine time, a good time to also come back. So, um, and here's the thing too, like right now we're doing this over Skype. We're going to do it over Skype until the, um, the quarantine is lifted. And then, because here's the thing I'm making a promise to, I'm, uh, we're improving the quality of the show. We're going to improve the, um, 
the rate at which we put this stuff out. Uh, Jessica and I have already sat down and talked over this. Like, uh, we're you know we're both dedicated to the show. We love doing it. I mean, we're only about 80 episodes in in our six-year um, history. So you, as you can tell, like, we do this when we can. Um, as you know, as when we first started, it was easy, and then as it started to progress, Jessica's you know work started kind of taking up a little more and that's you know she's got to go you know she has to make her money my job schedule at the time was insane so but uh we are kind of re kind of unifying and we are going to be putting out a lot more and hopefully you guys you know stick around hopefully you like what we're what we have lined up um we're going to be focusing on a lot of shows that are we're going to start doing a lot more topic heavy shows i'm going to try to stay away from um like the news heavy shows that we we were doing for the last couple of episodes and focus more on things that you know no one else is covering we have guests we're lining up right now and um depending on the convention schedule too how this all maps out over the summer it's, it's going to be very weird the plans we had laid down some are being pushed forward and some are being pushed back but we will be here um and especially during the quarantine time, I, we're going to put out uh, a few more shows than normal. Normally, we were doing two a month. I'm thinking maybe three or at least longer shows. So instead of just an hour, maybe if we'll go a little longer. It, it, we're going to fill it out as we go. And then also, um, YouTube content is coming. Um, now that you know, I have the time, we're going to be working on a lot of that stuff. So again, thank you everybody for being exceptionally patient with us, and um, you know just. It's uh, it, it we'll make it fun. We'll make it worth. We'll make it worth your while for sticking with us. I promise that. So, thank you guys again. And um, actually, Jessica, we do have one bit of news before we wrap this up to talk about. You want to kind of you want to break that as well? Yes, yes. And again, to reiterate, thank you everyone for so much patience. I also received a lot of love and a lot of support who are like, I'm so sorry about your dad, mm -hmm. you know, or your dog, uh, because, you know, my dad introduced me to Kaiju films or my dog was someone who got me through difficult times. And, you know, and so I really appreciated people that reached out and were like, we're so sorry. You know, it's really hard. And there's also no, how there's no length to how long a person can mourn or feel bad, you know, because mm. everyone's relationship is different. How we deal with grief is different. So definitely so, so, so blessed. Thank you so much. Um, but yes, to the new news for this weekend, well, news for this week was Godzilla has, King of the Monsters has made his way into Magic the Gathering. <laughs> so I, I remember I saw it. I grew up collecting Magic the Gathering cards because I love the art. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't be an expert in all nerdy fields. However, I've always wanted to learn. I Some people have tried to teach me when I was 13. It didn't go over very well, so maybe I'll try years later. But I was really excited. One, I do love the art. But now... Oh, the art's okay, fantastic. Great. I was like, this is great for me to like delve into and start learning and have friends teach me. I love the artwork. Definitely, uh, I know Chris saw it because Chris was an angel, thanks, and put together 
what the art looked like without the text mm -hmm. that was on our Facebook, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast page. Because sometimes people just want to see what the art looks like without text. And so he was able to put that together along with the Japanese release cards as well. The art is amazing. And we I, were able to see them. If I recall, I, I want to say Bob Eggleton at one point did some work for Magic. He def, I believe he also did D&D &D as well, which I think are both under the same banner now. Right. Don't quote me right. on that one, though, but I'm fairly confident that yeah. he did. But, and yeah. um, it was amazing. Yes. And I love the cards. And then last night, to prepare for today, there is work that goes behind the scenes. Uh, I think I went, I think it's because I've always really loved the art. I never really paid attention to the text or the categories. But my brain went on this mini explosion when I saw that King Caesar was under cast. You know, and then, like Baby Godzilla was a frog. Well, and they do. They they have to fit him in to the world. I know you have to. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. But I think because it took me back mm -hmm. a little bit because I don't play Magic the Gathering uh, religiously, so I wasn't new to the categories. But I quickly picked up clearly its categories because you can't just shove them willy nilly. Mm -hmm. But you know, like. Godzilla, Doom, in the, in the inevitable was Shin, basically Shin, mm -hmm. was a dinosaur turtle, and in my mind I saw Gamera, mm -hmm. but the, my, so I was like, okay, Jessica, you just need to ignore the category and not give yourself some sort of, you know, heart attack from doing this, but the artwork is absolutely amazing. Oh, it's stunning. So, so, and then Chris, you and I spent like 45 minutes trying to figure out how to get all of them. Yes. Like all the card styles. Or like me, how we would order. Because I'm, he, you know Pokemon, mm -hmm. and I know blind box vinyl toys. Mm -hmm. So there was some overlap and probability and math and statistics, but... I still know that magic is different than a blind box. Magic is different than Pokemon. But Chris found the Amazon link, and then he had to, the two of us had to explain on how to get it or when it was released. Yes. Which so, I believe you know how the release date works and so, how it gets. Yeah, so uh, Wizards of the Coast is doing uh, a staggered release. From what we're seeing here, so April 17th will be the rollout of the initial sets. Uh, you can get through their website or on um, their Amazon store, but it's only the small packs. It's the um, it's the booster packs and the small packs. Uh, which, by the way, booster packs 15 or 25 dollars, which was like absolutely ridiculous, and. The big box, which we both ordered, and we'll do a video when that thing comes in. Hopefully, we can, between the two of us and these and the thousand cards that we're going to be opening up, we can acquire nearly the entire uh, collection. I think there's 15 cards, or there's 15 cards or 16 cards? I think there's 16 cards, and then three more uh, are Japanese exclusives. And uh, a big deal was kind of made now because that initial set, when those come out, you 
if you're interested in buying these things or if you're a magic uh, player just in terms of like if you've if you've collected anything in your life you know how chase things work or reprints work um when they put up the they released the Mecha Gods, uh, the Space Godzilla card. Um, it says Space Godzilla Death Corona, which is in the movie Space Godzilla. His beam is an atomic beam. It's a Corona beam because it's the sun, it's stars, it's it's all that stuff. But because of the times we live in, because what's going on now, the Wizards of the Coast was like, oh, um, might be in bad taste right now. Which uh, you can't blame them. And the fact that they're they are going through and renaming the card. So when so after the initial run of the cards come out, uh, the reprints will be Godzilla Void Invader. So if you buy those early packs, there's a chance you'll get those early Space Godzilla Death Corona cards. And I got a feeling those are probably going to be chase cards that people are going to want because, again, much like when you have those early like some comics that have like early runs. Uh, or like a misprint or something like that. I think most of, the best example I can put this that Jessica can relate to is Batman Damned number one. And uh, Jessica knows exactly why that is. Uh, please say that for me one more time at the end. My end of the phone cut out. Oh, yes. So in terms of uh, reprints and changing things, uh, do you recall the Batman Damned fiasco from last year? Yes. Yes, I do. I do. So um, there was a panel in this adult-themed book, mind you, it's for mature readers only, where uh, a certain piece of Batman's anatomy was shown, and that created kind of a tizzy. So the initial run of the book, which uh, was was fairly, it was a decent size, um, I believe DC yanked was what wasn't sold and reprinted the book, um, censoring the actual piece of artwork that was in question. And now you look for that uncensored book, and now that one's worth a lot more. So if you guys are going to jump on collecting this, and especially if you have to be that person that has to have every version um you might want to jump in and buy the the big box set so you could possibly get that space godzilla card because when they get when they re-release it it's going to be slightly different unless you're a completion you know if you don't care then then you know don't but um i will be buying magic the gathering cards for the first time in my entire life my cousin in high school <laughs> desperately tried to get me into this game and i couldn't i barely learned pokemon and i was into that for a good you know half a minute before i'm like i have the i have the game boy game why am i wasting my time on this but for this because the artwork is they're so they're freaking stunning that's the one thing i do have always given magic the gathering credit for their artwork is astonishing the artists that they get for these things are top notch and there is a part of me that really hopes that they release the um the artwork as prints of some sort that you can buy especially that biolante piece it is magnificent. Like, there is such, like, it, I, I love fantasy art. Like, my dad, like, that's all I was around when I was a kid. Like, Frank Frazetta, Boris Vallejo, stuff like that. And this falls right in that line. And these are masterpieces. So, I w if I can have the cards, great. But I would love all the prints. I would love a series of the prints. Just even if they're like 11 by 17, I would love to have them all because these are fantastic. I can't, I, I can, I can, uh, all my adjectives in my head are, are up right now because I can't think of anything else I have to describe them. So 
Yes, so they are absolutely gorgeous. I would want to go back and hit up real fast that you called that specific panel of Batman's anatomy artwork, and that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, that, that piece of artwork was censored, and I was like, yes. We're trying to be uh, as family-friendly as possible here. So to mention what yeah. it really is, I think you, everyone can put two and two together in their head, or you can Google it. But yeah, but that t- but for those who aren't in on the like, <clears throat> why is this one worth so much? It's like, well, it's because they had to change it. And if you got that early one, I I have one of the pride and joys of my DVD collection was I nabbed a copy of Mystery Science Theater Volume Ten. Uh, when it initially snuck out, when it was still under Rhino Video, and they put out Godzilla vs. Megalon because they thought Godzilla vs. Megalon was in public domain because it was one—it was the movie that was always on TV because everyone had it. Then they realized, oh no, no, Toho still owns this lock, stock, and barrel, and Toho threatened to sue the shit out of them if they did not pull it. I managed to snag, and mind you, this is like 2000. Five, two thousand six. The sets when they came out were not cheap. They were like fifty to sixty bucks a pop. But I came across it right as they were pulling them, and I grabbed it. And not only that, it's signed by everybody that was involved in that show. The two Comic Cons. Uh, that thing is defaced to hell. But I got it, and now it is worth like four hundred dollars on eBay because they pulled all the. Um, they pulled all the other ones and reissued it with giant Gila monster. So to have that one, that's a crown jewel of like, if you didn't get it then, well, you're SOL. Right. Right. No, I completely understand. So definitely look for that. It's in the magic, the gathering, uh, Ikoria layer of behemoth. Mm-hmm. And so basically, yeah, it's guards. And there are Japanese ones. Yes. There are three of them. And Chris, in order to get them, you just have to... I just have to get them on. You're either going to have to buy the sets from a dealer online, uh, most likely, um, or... Imported. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a, from a friend in Japan. So most likely. You're going to have to do what I... People. Yeah. You're going to have to do what I did with my... When I bought the, the Universal Studios exclusive Ghidra. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to have to fork out a little extra for this one. They're cool. It's, it's, a, it's the Mothra Cocoon, it's Batra, and it's... Mechagodzilla, uh, I think the Kira one, if I recall. I don't have it in front of me at the second. But I believe those are the three that were the um, uh, exclusives. And there was a little trailer that they made for it. I put it up on our Facebook page. It just gives you a little tease at the end. It's But it's really cool. It's, a, it's an excellent uh, animated piece of um, monsters fighting. So it's still within the realm of everything we love here. So go check that out. And yeah, I think that's uh, that's all we got for today. That's 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 about it. So uh, on that note, Jessica, where can the good people yes. find more of our work, or where they can oh, where can yes. they find us online? So they could find us on Facebook, which Chris has been wonderful updating. is extremely active under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. And I also believe that you will be announcing something for us soon. Yes. On Facebook. So uh, while we're all locked up, we uh, Jessica and I were talking. It's like we want to do a watch party. So we are figuring out the logistics of it because um, turns out Facebook uh, can't really 
do the watch parties you want. So uh, I'm looking into a few things, but I think I have something. And within the next week of you hearing this episode, uh, check our Facebook and we'll give you the details. And we it's something we've been wanting to do for a while, and it seems fun. We like to we want to interact with everybody, and plus it's something to get our minds off all this stuff that's that's out there. You can't watch the news all day. It's just not healthy. So uh, keep an eye on our social media. We'll announce something very very soon. As soon as I get the final logistics worked out, but I, I'm 99% sure I got something that uh, we can all get together and watch. And here's the thing too: um, we're not going to announce what it's going to, what we're going to watch. It's going to be random, so you jump in, you watch with Jessica and I. We have some fun. Everybody, you know, anybody can join in. So we'd love to see you guys. And uh, yes, I'll have full details in a few days after the publishing of this on our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com/slash The Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. Yes, yes. In which also, if somehow during our live unboxing of Magic the Gathering, Chris had also mentioned that there are foil and non-foils. Yes. So come follow and watch me legit have a headache <laughs> while trying to open these and look for them mm-hmm. because I think we didn't mention them earlier that there are foil and non foils so for those that are not as familiar with Magic the Gathering or trading cards keep your eyes peeled for when that comes out um, yes oh. so, my mind is out just stuck on foil oh I know So <laughs> they're just, it's just shiny that's all it is they're just shiny it's like when you get the I don't know if they sell them anymore, but remember the, the at at grocery stores when you walk out, they have those little vending machines full of chinky or like little like knickknacky stuff. Yes, yes. yes. Remember when foil like stickers and cards like Sailor Moon ones? Yes, those. That's what those cards are. They're essentially those, but with the good like the the effect, like the sparkle effect on them. That you would like you always see the one that you want, but. Deep down, you knew that that thing was not in that lineup because it was just some dude, like, just, like, dumping whatever he had in there. And there was that, like, oh, come on. When you open up that that plastic, that cardboard thing that kept him in there, like, come on, give me that sweet Homer one. And you get the stupid Apu one. You're just like, I wanted the woohoo. I didn't want the thank you come again. Like, I guess I'll keep it. But it's like, Mom, give me another 50 cents. No, you're not wasting your money. So, that is what yeah, that so. is what uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast have done on an epic scale. It is, it is, and Foil got me with '90s comic covers, oh. so I'm already screwed with liking shiny things. Yeah, Marvel, Ugh, those bastards. <laughs> oh, I enjoy it. It it. Doing marketing and publicity, I was like, you know what? I'm a consumer, and I'll buy into it. Like, I fully know I'm a sucker, and I love it. Yeah. I'm okay with occasional, like, uh, variant covers, but you you weren't buying comics back in the early 90s. You had no idea the headache that Marvel created. It's like 19 different covers, some foil. You're just like, but they're all the same book in the end. They're all all, the same. (laughs) Yeah. Tom McFarlane was right. Um, also, on that note, uh, I have started a new podcast. Uh, it's called Neo Psycho Babble, and it pretty much just covers all the other stuff that I'm into because I'm a man of weird tastes. Uh, I have three episodes up right now. 
It is also part of the Panzer Crush, uh, you know, uh, podcast network, and um, you can find it much like you can find us. Oh, bigger news too! Forgot that this goes in with both things. We are now on Spotify. So if you are on Spotify, look us up, uh, the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. If uh, that's how you like to get your podcast, we are on there. We are finally on there now as well. My other podcast, Neo Psycho Babble, is there. Episode three, uh, four, and five will be out later this week, covering the event that is WrestleMania, which has been, um, as we record this, night one happened. It it, uh, it is something truly unique so uh, tune in um i already have a few episodes where i talked uh i, I talked to the creator of x-men the animated series um uh, leva ramondelli uh comic book artist who did if you look at our um facebook page uh the artwork for the header is uh from him uh he has a brand new book out called kill lock and uh also talked to an old chum of mine uh a southern california legend wrestler uh, uh top gun taller if you guys are into wrestling you want to listen to this he was uh one of the founding members of pro wrestling gorilla so uh tune into that as well it's called neo psychobabble so and then uh again thank you guys uh, we are going to do our, our damnedest to start really kind of pumping out episodes again of quality. We're gonna we we're gonna be back to more topic based shows, and uh, yes, we're gonna do we're gonna do our best to kind of keep you guys entertained while we're all locked down because we're all in this. There's there's nothing much else we can do. So hopefully we can get you guys through your day. So I uh, thank you again. And uh, Jessica, do you get any last words before we sign off? Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for just always listening, downloading. We are also on Apple iTunes, yes. I believe. Thank you. Are we? Yes. Yes. And we're so patient and, again, asked me if I was okay and just really checked in and looked out. So we look forward to taking this time in this new year just kind of moving forward mm-hmm. with brand new content for you all. Yep. There's, and there's a lot of stuff still coming up. Um if it doesn't get delayed again, we got Kong and Godzilla. We got the Gamma Box set coming out. There's, there's still, there's still much, to, much, so much to do, so little time. And uh, we, we plan on covering as much of it as we can. So, on that note, that will do it for this edition of the Catchy Kingdom podcast for myself and Jessica. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. 